What's good, y'all? We are back at it again with another episode of the Wrong Sir podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're watching, I really, really appreciate you. Like I said, this season, we're back and better, okay? Giving you content every single week that's amazing, most importantly, meaningful, and lastly, educational. So I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Um, I'm excited about this episode today. Excited because this is one I've kind of been sitting on for a second. It's been in my arsenal, been in my notes, but I just really... Didn't take the initiative to record yet. Just wanted to be definite that it was great for you all. But I got that, you know, uh, red light, green light and approval. So I'm ready. But before we hop into anything, I need you guys to go subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you do. If you're on YouTube and you're a visual person, you're watching right now, click the red button below. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Download the episode if you really, really enjoy it so you can just keep up with it because uh, I'll be dropping more. So I want you guys to have your, you know, your arsenal of episodes, a part of the Your Wrong Sir podcast that you enjoy. Um, but I appreciate you guys. And without further ado, we're going to hop right into it. So today's episode, I'm not sure if you guys know, but if you have not watched this, there's a documentary on Netflix called Colin in Black and White. And so it's basically a documentary, a memoir in a way, but more visual of Colin Kaepernick's life and him just explaining I would say how he got to the mindset that he's in today and most importantly, just letting people and listeners and people support him, people who hate him, whatever, understand why he's come to the ideologies and mindsets that he has. Right. And so I was super, super excited to tune in, super excited to watch it. And for me, it was absolutely amazing. I'm sure everybody has mixed reviews. There are some bad reviews out there. There are some good reviews because it's extremely controversial. Uh, But I absolutely loved it. So it's called Colin in Black and White, which give them kudos because I think it was a great name. Um, You know, having him black, but also growing up in a white family. And we'll talk more into that. But I learned so much about him. I didn't know he was adopted, like things of that sort. And so Colin in Black and White, seeing him from two different perspectives, seeing him having a black mindset um, and then seeing him being a white household. Right. Where he's really trying to find himself, most importantly, find his blackness, but figure out who he is. And so that was really good good and of course my favorite Ava DuVernay is the executive producer I love Ava if you have not watched 13 you need to go watch it if you have not watched um, when they see us you need to go watch it documentary about the Central Park Five really really amazing she has like to me groundbreaking work and so honestly Ava is actually a role model for me in terms of the wrong sir podcast because she's extremely unapologetic y'all hear me say unapologetic unfiltered uncensored and I genuinely mean that and I love people who put out work that is a reflection of that mantra um and so I think she does a great job of that she's super unapologetic super black excellence for the black community but what's most amazing to me is the acceptance of it right people have accepted Ava into who she is and what she puts out and Netflix did a great job of accepting Colin and her together when putting this out there are a lot of platforms and a lot of um just a lot of big streaming platforms HBO stars different things like that and I don't think everybody is willing to place documentaries or most importantly shows on their TV and on their streaming services that have such controversial meanings behind it. American football is, I mean, what would we say? Like it's the, the sport for football. It's like the talk of football households watch it. Like any household, you know, you're most likely watching football. And so to have 
to be accepting of a documentary from an individual who has been in various households of all races. People have had conversations about him. We've had a president, President Trump talk about him, things of that sort. So when you are accepting and unafraid of having this person be on your platform and share their story and one that you know everybody is not going to agree with, to me, that's admirable. So shout out to Netflix. Um, that's really amazing to me. Hopefully I'm on there one day with your wrong, sir, but we will see. But I want to do this in the form of what I did for $40 million slaves. A lot of people really enjoy when I did the takeaways. And so, I mean, there's so much you can break down. There are multiple episodes in this series. But what I want to do is explain to you all the key takeaways that I've gotten from it and why I feel like it's correct for your wrong, sir, because he's a sports figure. But most importantly, I think the lessons that can be learned are things that relate back to $40 million slaves, but conversations that I want to continue to have on various episodes and break them down further. Um, so I just happen to my key takeaways. And I'm going to just start off with a bang. Number one, he compared the NFL draft to slavery, the NFL combine to slavery. And a lot of people, I'm sure watching it, were like, whoa. And it's so funny because at the time that I was watching his documentary, I was reading $40 million slaves. And so I'm reading $40 million slaves. I think it's made me a little more radical. I'm just like, oh, yeah, like this relates to this. And when people do this, they do that and all of these things. And so he opens it. And it's as if he's looking into his life, as if his life is playing back to him and he's explaining to people like what they saw. Right. And so during this situation, he's just opening it up, letting people know what it's going to be about, setting the scene. And the NFL combine comes up and you see guys running in the back, you know, with their numbers. <laughs> it's so funny how things work out in years. And I'll explain this further, but their numbers on their jerseys and guys running, them standing up in front of teams, having their arms out, their wingspan being measured, how tall they are being measured, um, their vertical, how high can they jump, how the 40-yard dash, how fast can you run in 40 yards, uh, different things like that. How can you move? How flexible are your hips? And it's interesting because I work for a sports agency and we work predominantly, I mean, most all, honestly, with NFL players and to see them go through this process, you know, as an agency, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing when on our team, we can see Jason Pinnock jump in his fort and, you know, run and do his vertical and things of that sort and perform extremely well. But I think what we have to understand is, yes, we are happy. Yes, we are happy that these people perform well in the combine and that they're doing amazing, that they're showing teams that they have no medical issues and they're perfectly fine and things of that sort. But do we ever stop to understand where the idea for these combines and these drafts and these evaluations come from? And I think that's something that I want to push onto my listeners. Think about why. When you go into the sports industry, when you start to understand things that are traditional or that's the way it's always been. A lot of the times NFL players do not question why we got to, you know, why they got to measure our wingspan in the draft? Why do they have to see how far we run a 40? And sometimes we make things more practical, like, hey, we just want to see if you can perform on the field well. And yes, I am not dismissing that. That is a part of it, right? We have, as an organization, as a franchise, we have to see, hey, we give you, you know, $30,000 a game, $30,000 a week. We got to see that our money is worth it. We have to see that what we're investing into will give us a great ROI. Of course, wholeheartedly, I totally agree with that. But medical evaluations, things of that sort, 
it does relate back to slavery. It's the first thing I think of when, when I think of slavery, right? And so I think Colin did a great way of introducing this and just coming out in a documentary with like a bang, like here, this is my thoughts. You know, I'm coming with something controversial. This is who I am. And these are my beliefs. And so I totally just agree with it, most importantly, because during slavery times, women, men, children, through certain periods, certain seasons, slave owners would put up their slaves for auction and be in front of other people and other slave owners. And it's like auctioning off. Hey, he's this tall. Hey, his muscles are this big. Hey, this is a woman. She's fertile. She's had this many kids. Hey, this little kid has potential because he comes from these parents and things of that sort. This is how much they weigh. This is this is how they look. This is what they can do. And when you start to think of things like that, it's as if you're putting somebody up as if they are an item to be sold off to other individuals. And that's what we're doing in these combines. We're putting these players up against each other. We're putting numbers on them. There's no name on the back of their jerseys. It's numbers. Hey, this is number so-and-so. Yes, we know who you are. Yes, we know your name, but hey, that ain't relevant. And so you get on this field and you can prove yourself. And same thing. That's not relevant as a slave until I see that you have performed well in this combine or wait, I have seen that you've performed well on the field and you can come to my plantation and do well also. Or you can come to my franchise and do well also and, and show up against other DBs, show up against wide receivers. And so when you think of things in that way, it's just mind blowing to me how the smallest things that we have now in society that we glamorize and that we praise, we can compare back to things that we shun and we don't want to be a part of anymore. And so I think just this is my encouragement for everybody to always remember etymology of things. Always ask yourself, how do we start doing this? Or why did this happen? And when you come to that evaluation where you can see similarities between slavery and NFL draft and combine, it's going to make me question intentions, especially when it's under one of the most racial organizations in the history of sports, the NFL. All white owners, all racist people. Colin Kaepernick has been blackballed from the NFL because of his comments, because of who he is, because of what he wants to say, which is absolutely no surprise. Right. So that was a really big takeaway for me. So for anybody, I would love to hear your thoughts. But I encourage you, if you have not watched this, this is the opening scene. I think it will make you think. But it's amazing. It's amazing. And I totally agree with Colin. Takeaway number two. I'll start off with the point here and what my biggest takeaway is. You cannot, and you can, I'll repeat this again, you cannot take on a big task without proper preparation. Without proper, proper preparation, you have piss poor performance. We hear people say that all of the time. And so what does that have to do with Colin? And I, I know you're probably wondering. So I'm saying this because what I didn't know coming into the documentary was that Colin Kaepernick was adopted by an all-white family, all-white family. They had an older son. They had an older daughter. I mean, all-white, okay? No black in them whatsoever. White neighborhood, blonde hair, perfect picket fence house, all of that. Colin, Colin was literally just, you know, adopted, and he was adopted by a white family. I'll say it again. You cannot take on a big task without proper preparation. You cannot adopt a black child and be not accepting of black culture. You cannot adopt a black child and not be willing to learn how to take care of a child's hair. You cannot adopt a black child and not understand what will you say when you have to raise a young black man in a society where they are not accepted, where they are killed on cameras and in front of the screen. 
little things like that. And just because you place them into a white household in a white neighborhood does not mean that the color of their skin will change or that their melanin will be lessened. And I think that is something that we have to realize. And I think that is something that's very important for individuals who are taking in children who do not come from a culture or a background that they are most importantly familiar with. And this was something I think was just probably one of my biggest takeaways with this documentary because his parents just didn't know how to raise a black child. They didn't know. Um, there were so many scenes. So I'll just go through a couple. So um, let's talk about his hair. We have known Colin to have an afro and we have known Colin to have braids because that is who he is when he was in the NFL and as a player. Cool. When he was younger, it was always curly. It was always a little, you know, a little nappy, you know, didn't know really how to take care of it. Had a friend in school. His friend has braids in his hair. He's like, man, you need to go to so-and-so. She be braiding hair around the corner. And like, I could give you her number. You could go to her house and bro, this is cool. And he's like, oh yeah. Like I'm thinking about doing that. Colin ends up going over there, whatever. Gets his hair braided, cornrows to the back. Super cute. And he gets back to his parents. And they're like, you look like a thug. What's the definition of a thug? Where do we get that from? And why do, and, and my issue with a lot of people is we put people into boxes just because of a look. We have a lot of the times where we have a, an assumption of who we think people will be as individuals within just because of their appearance on the outside. And I think it's a big lesson to not judge a book by its cover. But if you were a white parent and you were knowledgeable of black culture, if you understood how to take care of hair, if you understood that braids in our society comes from slaves understanding the direction to be free, you will understand the importance of why we do certain things. And with the lack of knowledge and with that ignorance, you're calling your black son a thug, which is absolutely unacceptable. It's demeaning, it's belittling. But the most important thing that saddens me is the ignorance. It's the ignorance. And so that was an instance, calling him a thug. There was another instance. Colin was on the baseball team. Um, he His parents were like, hey, it's time to drive. You know, you can drive now. All of these things. He's driving. His dad usually drives all the time to his baseball tournaments. His dad speeds. I mean, speeds. He's probably going 80, 90, you know, open road, whatever, to get there on time. Police officer always just waves at him. Hey, how you doing, sir? Keeps it moving. Cool. Hey, dad, can I drive today? Colin's dad is like, of course you can, son. Of course you can drive, whatever. Let's go do it. On his way to the baseball tournament, he's going the same speed that his dad usually goes, riding past the same white officer and going the same route that he usually does. And guess who got pulled over? Colin. Why did Colin get pulled over? Because he's black. <laughs> and in plain and simple terms, it's because he's black. And so he comes to the door. There's a really weird altercation. Um, the police officer is extremely aggressive. He's like, hey, you know, who are you? What are you doing? Um, fretting when he's moving to get his permit, things of that sort. Really aggressive. And Colin felt just very out of place. He felt very disrespected, but he also seen the difference between how this police officer reacted to his dad flying past and saying hello in a black man in their eyes. But he's a boy at this time. But if you're black, it doesn't differentiate if you're a man or a boy, you're black. And so he felt that differentiation. 
and this is not, I'm, of course, I cannot say the entire documentary, but if you watch it, there are many times throughout it where he's expressing how he feels just different, different because of how his parents see things and different because of how he sees things, right? And so that's another thing. His parents was like, oh, hey, Colin. And he was like, Colin was like, hey, you know, I feel like he treated me differently. His parents was like, no, no, no. Don't think too much into it. You know, basically dismissing him. Denial. Denying that this person can think of him as as something more than just a little boy. Right. But this ignorance comes from the fact that through your experiences, you have never experienced this before. And so just really I was just really just appalled. And it was just really shocking that somebody so knowledgeable in an industry where we associate him with really, I mean, fighting for the rights of African-American people comes from a background where he's been in a household where people don't even understand African-American rights. And at that time, if there were a Colin while Colin was growing up, I'm sure his parents would call him a thug or put him down for what he was doing. And so it was extremely interesting. And, and I think the question that I've, that I've really posed with seeing this, is how do his parents feel? He held nothing back. He held nothing back at all. There was no remorse. He was just really genuinely raw telling his story. And I wonder, are they embarrassed? How do you feel, you know, to know that this is this is your son's point of view of your ignorance while he was growing up? But most importantly, what has shaped him into the man he is today and what he's passionate about. Um, so it was just really, really interesting. And I think that something that stood out to me, too, is the acceptance of black culture. Right. So his parents came in, of course, they didn't have the knowledge to raise an African-American son. But when it was time for him to go get braids, you know, Colin had it. His mom was like, take it out. You like a thug. And then she's seen, hey, my baby boy is he's a little upset that he can't have these braids anymore. And I really just genuinely don't know how to take care of it. And I want to make him happy. So she goes to her black colleagues. She's like, hey, you guys, what are these braids called? They're like, girl, cornrows. Like, you know, we know what this is. She's accepting. She takes Colin to get his hair braided. She takes him to get the right materials to oil his hair up to do all of the things that he needs to do, right? And then she becomes more accepting of Black culture. She's still uncomfortable, but hey, this is what made Colin happy. So we're going to go ahead and do it. And then there's a shift. There's a point in Colin in Black and White where she is not so supportive anymore. And it's like, yeah, you need to take those braids down. Yeah, you didn't look right. Yeah, you need to do this. Yeah, your coach said you do look like a thug, so let's get rid of the hair. Where does that shift come from? And in my opinion, in my interpretation from watching this, the shift comes from the fact that um, simply people on the outside, their friends, the, the other white coaches that he's having for football and baseball is like, oh, my God, you guys let your son have his hair like this. You, you guys let your son be like this. And so that's a shocker. And it's embarrassing. And so. It's just my encouragement. Again, do not take on a big task without proper preparation. But when you are properly prepared, do not let people make you feel bad for doing something that you know is right. Right. And I think that's where she fell off. It was just like, oh, but Colin, I'd rather you take a black prom date. I mean, I'd rather you take a white prom date than a black one and different things like that. So they had very hard um, ideologies which is something because of where they came from, but also the shelter background. And we know society is not far off from being very racist and we're still in a racist society. And so think about years ago, what their mindset was. Second takeaway. Okay, number three, AI 
Okay, Allen Iverson, the answer, you know, if you're a basketball fan, you love Allen. He's just really just a, honestly a staple for the culture, a staple for the culture. We always talk about him being unapologetic. We always talk about him showing other guys it's OK to whatever, wear whatever clothes you want. It's OK to wear the hats. It's OK to have your hair in braids. It's OK to be you. Right. It's OK to be you. And. We always hear people talk about how Allen is that person for him, for them, that helped them feel comfortable to accept their, you know, culture, to accept who they are, to accept their hair, to accept the demeanor, the swagger, you know, the way to go about it. He served as this person for Colin Kaepernick, which is like crazy because I didn't know this. So Allen Iverson growing up was one of Colin Kaepernick's like biggest role models. He used to have um posters of him on the wall like really used to love AI and which is one of the reasons he really wanted his hair braided because it's like if this is my black role model this is who I want to be like this is who I want to look like I think he is the answer he's the culture and so if I'm trying to be in tune with more of my black self from a a white family hey this is my role model I'm gonna do exactly what my role model is doing and so um I think just the thing with me is the lesson from this is like, of course, we learned that Colin Kaepernick was a fan of Allen Iverson, but the real deep meaning behind all of this for me is you never know who is watching. And like, don't be afraid of being you and don't be afraid of speaking up for what you stand for, because you never know who you can influence down the line. I'm sure before Colin Kaepernick made it to who he was, Allen Iverson did not know that I was an inspiration for this guy. This guy decided to be more comfortable in who he is or explore more of what black culture means because of what I stood for while I had my time at the NBA. And so I encourage all athletes, be you, be you, bro, but also be a great role model and not saying that you have to be a role model because nobody wanted to just be a role model, but always be cognizant of what you're putting out and never let people shun you away from speaking up for what you want. The lady who who told LeBron he should shut up and dribble. I'm glad he did it because uninterrupted came from that and different things of that sort. And Bron is inspiring me to be more unapologetic with you're wrong, sir. So it's little things like that. And you never know who I can turn out to be. Right. And we never know who Colin Kaepernick was going to turn out to be. And we know who he is now, which is a powerhouse within the sports industry. But he's an inspiration for many people. And for me, I think that was just the biggest lesson. Like, bro, you never know who's watching. And we should always be unapologetic about what we put out there. And I'm sure Colin in black and white is going to inspire another little black boy who may be adopted in a white household that is not accepting whom he is as a black man, simply because all black men are getting killed out here by police officers and by police brutality and by poverty and things of that sort. So it's like, hey, let's keep you away from that. Let's not allow you to embrace that culture because that's a reflection of a thug. That's a reflection of this. That's a reflection of that. Um, and so that was just a really big takeaway for me. I was shocked, but not shocked that AI was his inspiration, but it was just great to see, like, for me, the, the full circle effect, the full circle effect of how somebody in one industry can be influenced and in another industry can result in Colin being more in tune with discovering himself, but we wouldn't have Colin kneeling during the national anthem, probably without the inspiration from Alan Iverson. 
And that's and that's how I all started his braids. That's how I all started his braids. And then moving forward from there, he just started to discover more and more things. And so just kudos to Allen Iverson for always just being a standard, um, always being unapologetically yourself. But shout out to Colin Kaepernick for using that and not being afraid of the inspiration, but most importantly, leaning into it. My fourth takeaway, the black quarterback stereotype. If you have not tuned in my episode, tuned in to my episode with Joshua Grady called The Uncomfortable, I encourage you to go listen. It's amazing. But I talk a lot about just the stereotype of African-American men back then not being thought of as smart enough to play the quarterback position because there were white males. And we've been so shocked that Lamar Jackson has been in this position and Russell Wilson has been performing so well. But before then, it was like only white men, only the Tom Brady's, only the Peyton Manny's can be a quarterback because white men are smarter than black men. And so he had this stereotype back then he had, which I'm really not even surprised about, but it's one of my biggest takeaways too, because we see it on social media and we know that racial stacking is a thing. And those are terms and those are ideologies and beliefs. But to see somebody who I really look up to have personal experiences where he said in his documentary, like, man, I tried out for the, the, the varsity uh, football team. I out, I mean, I killed the other recruit. I killed the other white quarterback and they still thought I was better fit for junior varsity, junior varsity, because what? Oh, he's white. He's capable. He'll get better. Come on now. A black boy can't be a star quarterback. And that was just the mindset and thought behind it, which is really ignorant. But it shows me that it's really still out there. And so I'm just for anybody who's listening, if you've ever experienced this, reach out to me. Let's have an episode. This is just an encouragement to have transparent conversations and for coaches who may be listening. Do not play into this stereotype. Do not be the person who thinks that a white person is smarter or more capable at the quarterback position than a black male, simply because of race. Race does not determine your intellect and race does not determine your athleticism or what you're capable of on the field, right? Um, And so it was just really interesting to see that he really went through that for years, for years, and really still had to continue to prove himself even by senior year. Even by senior year, there was still doubt. There was still disbelief. There was still, ooh, Colleen had a good good game today, but, you know, so-and-so is, might be better or this and that. And he had to fight to prove his spot. So kudos to Colin Kaepernick for being another representation. I mean, one of the first black quarterbacks to really just be really good and have influence. Um, shout out to him. Lastly, my fifth takeaway. I hope I'm counting this right. I think that's five. All right. Colin was a top baseball recruit. That boy had an arm, okay? He was a pitcher, super amazing, super great, which I absolutely didn't know. And it's so funny how a lot of our favorite athletes used to be, like, an amazing athlete in a different sport. Jackie Robinson in football, LeBron in football, um, I mean, Colin in baseball, just so many different things. We see a lot of athletes who decided to specialize eventually, But a lot of the times they were good at something totally different, which is like really interesting to me. So I I love that. And it's it's great to hear those stories. But he was a top baseball recruit. Teams were calling Colin like, hey, you're going to choose football or you're going to come to the MLB. What you going to do? Stressed out. And imagine a high school kid having to make that decision. That's a lot to deal with. It's crazy to deal with. But most importantly, it's just like, you have the opportunity to make millions of dollars at your hand. And he turned it down and he turned it down. And 
for me, I think the biggest lesson or the biggest takeaway that I learned from this is for athletes trying to understand the line between waiting and trusting your intuition and believing like, hey, I'm better at this specific sport. So I'm going to trust God or whatever you believe in. And I'm going to, you know, just say, "Mm." I think I'm capable of being great at football and I haven't got the looks yet, but I know I can get the looks. So I'm just going to keep at it. And I'm going to say, forget this money from the MLB and I'm going to trust my instinct or go with what everybody is pushing you towards. At the time, his baseball coach told him this was the worst decision he had ever made by turning down this decision. And it's so funny how life works because what other people can view as your worst decision could be the best thing you ever did. And that's just so amazing to me and interesting. And so one day we aspired to have Colin on here because I want to ask him about this personally and what his mindset was. Um, But just an encouragement to athletes. I know a lot of athletes have this decision. Do I choose between this sport? Ah, I'm a senior. I've had friends who have waited for recruitments from school and never got them and missed that top that top offer from another school because somebody else picked up another recruit. How do you know? How do you know what is the correct decision to make? How do you know what is the right thing to do? And so I think it comes a lot from faith. And there's a quote that says, where faith lies, worry does not coexist. And so it's just so interesting at a young age how you can really just have a calling and a purpose that's that's pushing you so much where it's like, no, 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 no. Forget the 40 mil. I want to go play football. And then to have this cultural impact, but to not even last in football, it's insane. It's so insane. And so those were really my five biggest takeaways. I encourage every single one of you to go watch Colin in black and white. But I think it is very controversial and it will show you a different perspective of sports that you've probably never seen before. A lot of athletes are afraid to speak up about their experiences in sports because of the bag. Right. And which is the conversation about 40 million dollar slaves being a slave to money and understanding that, hey, I need this money right now. So I ain't going to say nothing about how I'm feeling and I'm not going to kneel for the anthem. I'm not going to do anything because I got a family to feed. That is a lot of athletes mindset. And so coming into this, when you have an athlete who is unafraid to just be themselves, unafraid to tell them, tell their stories, uh, but really just just really just I don't even know, break glass ceilings and, and push the envelope. It's inspiring. So I encourage you all to do this. I've been watching a lot of different sports documentaries and giving my evaluations of this. And I think we need to start understanding who people are off the field rather than on. Um, And so this is my encouragement to look at people as if they are more than an athlete. I hope you guys can tune in and I hope you guys can tune into the next episode of the Wrong Sir podcast. But I appreciate you guys. And we out.